Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Well, welcome back, everyone. We're back in the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to be putting in uh, at chapter 23 today, and um, we'll be looking in chapter 24 also. We're going to see some some lessons and some rules about how a civil society functions. And um, we're going to see an emphasis on staying away from false religions and cleanliness and relationships and the heart. So, chapter 23, verse 1, No one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Now, what the heck does that mean? Well, as McGee teaches, um, this is describing practices that would... Um, take male uh, people, males, uh, and make them eunuchs uh, within the context of pagan worship. In other words, people who would want to go to the extreme to live a secluded lifestyle, to live a sheltered kind of a lifestyle, is going to enter the assembly of the Lord. Just because you're trying to do things you're trying to do things to uh, show somebody else that you're um, more, you know, extreme than they are. And it's all um, according to man-made wisdom. That's not going to get you into a right relationship with God. It might just turn your heart even more bitter. And so a lot of these pagan cults and pagan religions... um, would use eunuchs for different things. They had eunuchs even in in Babylon when um, the nation Israel found themselves there. So different cultures have these eunuchs and or monks or things like that that separate themselves. Um, Those folks are not um, trying to enter a proper relationship with God through their heart. It's through the heart not through your body parts, not through what you uh, uh, starve yourself or you mutilate yourself. That doesn't 
that doesn't affect the heart. Okay, so then verse 2, no one born of a forbidden union may enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants may enter into the assembly of the Lord. So what is he talking here? The only way, as Jesus said, that you're going to be born into the kingdom of God is you've got to be born again. So a forbidden union talks about uh, whether or not um, if you're born into a family that's worshiping false idols, um, cults, um, you know, born outside um, into foreigners, um, God says you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. And so it's kind of using... Um, marriage between is the nation Israel and other outside nations in sort of a context that Israel is surrounded by nations of pagan gods. He's saying, you know, you can't act that way. And if you're if you're going to bring children into the world with, you know, pagan nations, those children aren't going to enter the kingdom of God. You've got to keep yourself separated from sin and you can't go bringing sin into your own world and saying, oh, it's okay. And Jesus takes that to even a higher level, talking about being born again to this see the kingdom of God. It's, it's even more than visas and passports and nations like that. It's being completely born again of the Spirit. Verse 3, no Ammonite or Moabite may enter into the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. So when he's talking about the tenth generation, it's an, it's an idiom. It sort of means forever. It's a, it's a way of describing forever. Even to the tenth generation, none of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever, because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor, from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you. Okay, so the Ammon, Ammonites and the Moabites were false, uh, were you know were nations harboring false religions and pagan religions. So <clears throat> he's saying these are the people you want to weed out of the nation Israel because their gods. They're pagans, and that's what we have to do in our lives today, keep the sin out of our own lives. Instead, the Lord, your God, turned the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord, your God, loved you. You shall not seek the peace or their prosperity all the days, all your days forever. You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not abhor the Egyptian because you were a sojourner in his land. Okay, so when we're talking about, we're talking about being born again, we're talking about avoiding false religions. And now we're talking about the flesh itself. You, you shall not abhor an Edomite, for he's your brother. And you don't abhor the Egyptian because you were a sojourner in the land. So, 
you're not abhorring or hating the Egyptian. And McGee says the Egyptian sort of is a is a metaphor for the world. You hate sin, but just the things in the world, the Edomites were like right across the Jordan River. They were descendants from Esau. So they're like cousins. So God's saying you don't hate them, but you just, you don't tolerate that doesn't take the place of where your heart needs to be. McGee made the point like, you don't hate the Egyptian, you don't hate the world. It's like, there's still a part of you that, you know, as McGee says, I like the sunshine. I like to sit down and, and eat a meal. I like things. I like to go outside and walk in the forest. Those are things of the world. You don't hate the world. You just don't tolerate the sin in your own life, in your own heart. Now we'll drop down to verse 14. Because the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and to give up your enemies before you, therefore your camp must be holy, so that he may not see anything indecent among you and turn away from you. So the God is walking with you in the midst of your camp. So keep your camp clean. Nothing indecent. Okay? So, an emphasis on cleanliness to your own self. Cleanliness in your own life. Verse 17, None of the daughters of Israel shall be a cult prostitute, and none of the sons of Israel shall be a cult prostitute. In other words, there are these false religions, all these pagan religions, where the prostitution and sexual immorality was apparently part of the religious service or part of the the part of the religion itself so god knows how um important it is to keep away from these false religions it will corrupt the whole nation now we'll drop down to chapter 24 when a, now this is an interesting scenario about divorce. When a man takes a wife and marries her, if he finds, excuse me, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house and she departs from his house and if she goes and then becomes another man's wife and the latter man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand. Now she's got two divorces and sends her out of his house. Or if the latter man dies, okay, who took her to be his wife, then if the former husband, now husband number one, who sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife after she's been defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord. In other words, husband number one can't then try to remarry her because he'd probably collect money. He'd probably... And he could take advantage of her, remarry her. He's already divorced her already once. And you shall not bring sin upon the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. So it has to do, as my study Bible points out too, the first husband is forbidden to remarry her to acquire her second dowry. Okay, and this law protects the woman from exploitation by the first husband. Okay, so 
these women are not to be treated just like property to get money. And so Christ later clarifies this when people are asking him about this because Christ talks about that this was given because of the hardness of men's hearts or people's hearts. And Jesus appeals to the creation account of God created man and woman, woman to be with man, to show God's ethical ideal. God's ethical ideal sometimes is uh, impossible for man's heart to achieve. Um, so, as my study Bible says, it's a law to, as a concession to the hardness of hearts, preserving a minimum level of civility for the theocracy, for the nation. Okay? So, and then we get some interesting insight here into God's priority for marriage and the young marriage and protecting the home. Verse 5, When a man is newly married, he shall not go out with the army or be liable for any other public duty. He shall be free at home one year to be happy with his wife whom he's taken. Wow, isn't that, isn't that sweet? Isn't that wonderful? God really thinks about protecting a young marriage and protecting the home. It's that important. It's that important, even in a time of war. Verse 7, If a man is found stealing one of his brothers of the people of Israel, and he treats him as a slave or sells him, then that thief shall die. So, you shall purge the evil from your midst. Okay? So, you don't, you don't try to enslave your brother. You don't try to sell one another for profit. We don't do that. And um, <clears throat> they did have a system where you could become a servant. That was their system of lending money. But you don't steal like that. Now we drop down to verse 19. When you reap your harvest in the field and forget a sheaf, in other words, you forget some of the harvest you shall not go back and get it it shall be for the sojourner the fatherless and the widow that the lord your god may bless you in all the work of your hands okay so leave something for the poor you don't try to strip the the ground clean <laughs> so show compassion in all you do all of these things talk about the condition of the heart. But, you know, where Israel got it wrong in the Old Testament was they just tried to live their life according to the law. But they didn't see how this applied to, to their own hearts. Isn't that interesting for us today? God still wants our hearts. He doesn't want our worship. Anybody can worship. He wants our hearts doesn't want our money. Anybody can get a, give an offering to the church. He wants our hearts. Doesn't matter how much you give. He wants your heart in it. So we're going to stop here.
turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your study today. And as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. We'll see you here next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 1, all the way through to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through to verse 22. So in this chapter, we have the regulations for domestic and personal relations, which we actually started way back in chapter 21. So this chapter deals with the world, the flesh, and the devil, which is basically the things that we face challenges with in our daily walk in our lives here on earth. So scripture reads, verse 1 of chapter 23 of Deuteronomy, He who is emasculated by the crushing or mutilation shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. So God here is condemning asceticism or genital mutilation. So in our days, we have an application for this, you know, a real-life application. So during um, the Middle Ages, men saw the corruption of Europe, Asia, and North Africa, and they turned from the things of the world because they didn't like what they were seeing, so they decided to to turn away from the things of the world. And become ascetic so they retired to you know monasteries to get away from the world so this is an extreme method of doing things you know these are people who actually see themselves as pure and better and sinless compared to the people in the world so god actually warns against it and it's actually led um, in Protestant circles to a same type of legislation today. And, you know, there are those that feel if they are living a certain type um, of life, of what they actually call um, separated life, by denying themselves so many things, um so many things that involve you know the things of the world and you know to an extent i say i would say these people are kind of delusional yeah um so they deny themselves so many things um i've seen a number of documentaries or movies where you know when 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 they actually do something um (coughs) which they regard as um sin they would actually um, harm themselves, you know, pay penance, you know, as a way of like um, punish punishment as a form of punishment. So these people, they actually tend to be very pious, like I said earlier. You know, they think they're better than others, and they are rather dangerous people because they feel that they are better and above the rest, and they actually tend to be quite vicious gossipers, very mean and very, you know, kind of hypocritical. So they tend to be very extreme in their separation because they feel they're the chosen ones. So God here warns against um, asceticism 
Number three goes on to read, One of illegitimate birth shall not enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord. So here, this means that one has to be born again, a child of God. So there are a lot of people actually going around today saying, I am a child of a king, when they are actually illegitimate. A religious man who is actually not born again is illegitimate. A classic example is Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a very religious man. He was a Pharisee. You know, he was a leader, but he wasn't born again. And today we have a lot of baptized pagans that are held in sinners, just as one's... um. You know, just because one is baptized, you know, and this is a notion that a lot of people have, it doesn't mean that makes them God's child. So, you know, we should ask ourselves, the question we should be asking ourselves is, are we born again a legitimate child of, and are we a legitimate child of God? So this is what we're supposed to actually ask ourselves. If you haven't trusted Christ, as your Lord and person of Savior, you're not a legitimate child of God. You may be baptized and may be very religious and all, but you're still an illegitimate child if you have not trusted um, the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Verse 3 goes on to read, An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord even to the earth, to the tenth generation, None of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt and because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor from Petor or Mesopotamia to curse you. So what we have here is false religion. That's what's being talked about. So we have the Ammonites and the Moabites. That's a representation of false religion. And this is um, the devil. And he is not to enter the congregation of the Lord. So, you know, scripture says, By their fruit you shall know them. And they had false religion, the Ammonites and the Moabites. And what they did um, here to the children of Israel in verse 4 it says, Because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt. So this is the evidence. Now you shall know them by their fruit. And this is the fruit. Actually, it manifested. It showed what type of people they were. Verse 5 goes on to read, Nevertheless, the Lord your God will not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. Verse 6, you shall not seek their peace nor their prosperity all your days forever. So the thought here is this um, linking up with false religion is one of the worst things um, in the world. You know, false religion. Because um, if you look at you know the worship of 
the idols and all. It was the most crude and pagan and most evil thing ever. So false religion has caused a lot of problems in the world today. A lot... Um, you know, we can actually condemn everything else um, and not false religion in this world. You know, people tend to come... Uh, condemn so many things you know um, so many evils going around the wars the the drug abuse and all but because you have this church at a very prominent place and you know a lot of prominent people go in there even if they do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ you know they have their own tailored or doctored scripture and it's right there screaming in their faces false religion it's not condemned Verse 7 goes on to read, You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not abhor an Egyptian, because he, because you were an alien in his land. So Edom, <clears throat> like we actually stated in the book of Genesis, represents the flesh. And um, Edom was Jacob's brother. That's Esau. So he he manifested into a, like turned into a nation. So he's a brother and we have an old nature that we can't get rid of. We can't shake off. And we are not to abhor it. We have to follow through it to hold on to it. So that old nature should not control us. But they are certain satisfactions that we can actually appreciate in life, you know? Um, we can appreciate the things of the world. We can appreciate, you know, the beauty out there, flowers, nature, you know, all these things. We can enjoy these pleasures of life, but we should not let them control us. So don't abhor the flesh. Uh, just don't yield to it. Because there are certain people who let, you know, money start ruling them, beauty start ruling them. Alcohol start ruling them. So the flesh is in rebellion against God, but hating it won't get one anywhere. Just like we had talked about um, the, um, the, the the people who have the whole genital mutilation and you know they live a separated life. So Egypt, on the other hand, in scripture represents the world. So the world of flesh. And the devil. Because the devil is the prince of the world. So we're told, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. This does not mean, you know, the beauties of the world. It doesn't mean that we, can't, we separate ourselves from everything. This is basically telling us not to worship worldly things. It doesn't mean we should despise them. So, you know, there's self-control. So we ought to recognize that they are, that we actually just passing through the world. We are pilgrims and strangers in this world. So we need to actually have a proper relationship with the flesh. It has to be balanced. Um, we have to have a proper relationship with the flesh, with the world, and we have to know where we actually place the devil. But you know, because there is no compromise with him. But so we need to balance out our life in the world today verse 10 goes on to read if there is any man among you who becomes unclean 
by some occurrence in the night, then he shall go outside the camp and he shall not come inside the camp. So God told them about, you know, the family conditions of the camp. So, um, rather, not only the family conditions, even the sanitary conditions of the camp. So what they were to actually do. And um, cleanliness is next to godliness. So um, God actually gave us a clean planet. Um, but sinful man managed to actually pollute this planet. Ver- dropping down to verse 14, it reads, For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give you enemies over to you. So and give you enemies over to you. Therefore your camp shall be holy, and he, that he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. So God is actually interested in cleanliness. So God is interested in a clean mind, clean thoughts, clean body, clean environment, and clean actions. So we are to be holy people in this world. And the only way to be holy is to be clean. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Dropping down to verse 17, it reads, There shall be no ritual harlot of the daughters of Israel or a perverted one of the sons of Israel. So there were few harlots among the Israelites. Obviously, there's always those bad seeds. Verse 18 goes on to read, You shall not bring the wages of a harlot or the price of a dog to the house of the Lord your God for any vowed offering for both of these are an abomination to the Lord your God. So God will not accept um, any kind of income that actually comes from that which is illegal, immoral, or wrong. He will not accept it. And, you know, today... Because of false religion, which has caused so many problems, anything goes. You find today churches and you know organizations that claim to be a Christian organization, they get um, income and sponsorship from the most unlikeliest sources. It is just surprising. So now we get to chapter 24, and in chapter 24 we have the Mosaic Law of Divorce. Scripture reads verse 1. When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanliness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, put it in her hands, puts it in her hands and sends her out of his house. When she has departed from his house and goes and becomes another man's wife, if the latter husband detests her and writes her a certificate of divorce puts it in her hand and sends her out of the house or if the latter husband dies who took her as his wife then his then her former husband who divorced her must not take her back as his wife after she has been defiled for that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. As an inheritance. 
So it was part, it was actually put on this kind of basis. That's divorce. Because God doesn't agree to, you know, wife swapping, which this would actually be. So this was made like so because the Lord Jesus Christ made it clear when they came to him with this question as why Moses commanded to give her a, um, a writing of divorce and put her away. So we have in Matthew 19 verse 79, it reads, they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and put her away? And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery okay so it was actually um put on that kind of basis you know and faithfulness in the marriage was the ba- was um the basis for divorce verse five and god didn't want this to be like so in the first place it was um marriage was meant to be forever but because of the hardness of the Israelites' hearts and the hardness of our hearts, Moses put it like so. Verse 5 goes on to read, When a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. He shall be free at home one year and bring happiness to his wife whom he has taken. So God was protecting here the home even in the time of war. And um, the sacredness, he was also protecting the sacredness of the marriage vow. So there are a lot of things that God permits. Hello, sorry, um, I got interrupted. So I'll just continue from where I left off. And that was at verse 5 of chapter 24 of the book of Deuteronomy. And... Verse 5 reads, When a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. He shall be free at home one year and bring happiness to his wife whom he has taken. So God was promoting the home even in the time of war and the sacredness of the marriage vow. So there are a lot of things that God permits, and that's his permissive will. And it's not that he agrees with it. You know, he, because of the hardness of our hearts, so he has a permissive will, and he actually permits it because, you know, of the hardness of our hearts. And this holds true in many cases of divorce and personal lives um, of many individuals. So God is merciful and gracious to us, to you and me. And it's not his direct will. It's his permissive will. Verse 7 goes on to read, 
if a man is found kidnapping any of his brethren of the children of Israel and mistreats him or sells him, then his kidnapper shall die and you shall put away the evil from among you. So God actually here, we see he condemns slavery. We drop down all the way to verse 9. 18, 19, sorry. Because um, here, um, you know, he gives so many other laws um, and what will happen. So he's giving laws and personal regulations. So verse 19 reads, When you reap your harvest in your field and forget to shave in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So God here is taking care of the poor, the less fortunate, and the helpless. So God had a good poverty program for the poor. Not the poverty program that man has put in place. It never works. God had a good program for the poor. He took care of the poor. And verse 32 goes on to read, And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this thing. So here, these were like the rules and regulations that were not covered in the law that were actually given. Um, that the children of Israel were to live by and they are applicable for us today. So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening and God bless you and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.